0: my first feature film, and uh, i just like to know before we start, is, who's in the first term? Just raise your hand. And in the fifth? Is anyone here? Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, just so I can know my, uh, my audience. Um, well, this is a film that took me four years to make. Um, It was a time, and the most ridiculous part about it is that Dubai never really had a film. So when I decided to make this and produce it in 2009, imagine 2009 after Millennium, this is the first international quality or standard film, which is quite uh, hard to actually uh, imagine. And, And yeah, I don't know. Firstly, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, the other thing is, I just like to say what a fantastic film school this is. Okay, hands up who agrees with me? Oh. <laughs> well, you're just in the first time. Wait till you, wait till you, wait till, you, wait, till you, wait till you guys get uh, get going. Because I'm telling you, this school changed my life, and uh, it puts. I've always, in any interview that I've done, I always said that London Film School was like a filmmaking boot camp. You know, it's, 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 it's hard work. And uh, obviously you can't, I made a graduation film um, called Under the Sun, which again was the first, where well, I shot it in Dubai, and it was the first Emirati film to be shot on celluloid, which again was very strange. So immediately when I went back home, people started to recognize me as a filmmaker. And obviously, to make a living, I couldn't be making short films for the rest of my life. Um, and you can't really make feature films because it's not easy to make a feature film. Number one, to raise the financing, and and all the rest. So I decided to get into TV commercials. And what I started out, I started out as you know, I started as a grip, a gaffer, an assistant, uh, you know, third AD. I remember I was a third AD on a, on a Pepsi commercial once, where I had to control a crowd of a uh, thousand people with a megaphone. And uh, I moved up to a second AD, then I became a first AD. And then eventually, I wanted to start directing my own commercials. But in the commercial business, it's quite, it's quite difficult because it's a catch-22 situation. You can't make a commercial um, unless you have a showreel. And you can't have a showreel unless you've shot a commercial. So how, how do you start? And what I decided to do is to make a spec commercial, which a lot of people do. And I went up to TBWA in Dubai, as an advertising agency, and I told them that if they had any, you know, concepts or scripts that they shelved, and said, you know, I would, I would direct it. Uh, and obviously if... If it works out, you know, I could put it on my showreel and got their permission for a very big brand, and it was a, it was a, a car commercial for Nissan. And I thought to myself, they gave me they gave me the the concept, and I didn't like it very much. I said, wait a minute, if I'm going to be spending money on this, or whatever savings I'd made to try and make this commercial, and the contacts I've made in the industry back home in Dubai to you know for people to like supply the equipment for free and things like that. Uh, so I decided to. Uh, you know, change the concept, do another concept. And I actually did it with a DOP who DOP'd under a was also an ex-graduate, um, who was B-camera on this film. And uh, so we came up with the concept, and uh, eventually we showed it to the agency, who loved it, and they bought it off me. So not only did I have a showreel of a one car commercial with a very good company name, I, I made a bit of money off it. And that's, that's how I got into TV commercials. And then from that moment on, I, you know, I just started directing TV commercials. That's my bread and butter. And it reached a point where, you know, that's not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Because there was a lot of... We have a very big commercial industry back home. And, you know, you have, you know, quite of the older guys who, are, who have been in the business. And all of them, you know, everyone who's into film their dream is to make a feature film, not just to do corporate videos or TV commercials, all of them do. And I told him, I said, why didn't you ever, he's like, oh, when you get stuck into the commercial businesses, it's so hard to come out. And I could understand that because number one, you, you, work, you don't work that much on a commercial. You have a day rate and some, each commercial won't last more than what, two to three days. It's good money. And you just want to, you know, continue doing that. I and mean, I can understand how people can get stuck into that, that black hole of the advertising world. But the only problem with the advertising world is that middleman which they call the advertising agency. And where you would have to, you know, they give you, they give you the concept and they give it to a director. Now, what, what the idea is that when they give it to a director, directors have to try and, you know, put his own touch to it you know, have his own vision. The best part is when you do that and then they completely change it and make it how they want. And that really, you know, uh, uh, it reaches a point where you almost have no soul as a filmmaker anymore. It's just you're a machine. You're doing what they ask. You know, the, the product that happens is what they want and you just get your paycheck. And... You know, sometimes that's okay if the commercial is really crap, right? But if it's something you really like and you want to put on your reel... I mean, let's. from all the commercials that I've done, I probably have about seven commercials that are on my reel. The rest is, I'm like, this is not going on my reel. This is not going on my reel. And and, And sometimes I'd say, don't even put my name onto it. Like, I mean, the last commercial I had done was for... Manchester United football... No, I'm sorry, Manchester City. I I kept saying that, actually, on set. It was horrible. Uh, Manchester City football players. And uh, it was quite a nice commercial that we shot in Abu Dhabi. And the guy completely destroyed it. But what they wanted to do, they wanted to do some PR behind it. They wanted to say that Ali Mustafa directed this commercial and put it in the press. You know, it was was a big commercial. and, And I said, no, don't. Because, you know, it reaches a point where it's 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 not a very easy industry, and obviously, being a filmmaker, you you want to just be a filmmaker. You don't want to have you don't want to be that person who has a nine to five job to sustain his life, and then do filmmaking as a hobby. We're in a very very com- competitive um, <coughs> industry, and I've been really blessed in the fact that. I didn't start out in London, and I started out in a place where there was just a handful of other filmmakers. So it was much easier you know, to try and, you know, reach the stage where people start recognizing you, then you can start coming out from the Middle East and then going international rather than starting international. And, uh, and eventually, when all of, all, of, all of that happened, I said I wanted to make City of Life, so what I did was I said no to TV commercials. I said I had to make a feature film. And I remember I sold my car to write the script. I I wanted to get a writer. I actually, I'm I'm a writer, but I hate writing, which is quite uh, awkward in the sense that I hate sitting down and typing, because my mind is always all over the place. So I managed to find a writer who would come down and I end up dictating the entire story. And obviously, he gets, he gets the credit uh, at the end of the film. And uh, so that's what happened. We, it took me about a year to write the script. And then to raise the money in a, in, a, in a country that had no track record of making films was just, you know, it was unheard of. It was impossible. You know, if I went to them with a building idea for development to be uh, hands-on. We know we know what to do, we know where to invest and how to invest. But you go to them with an idea of saying, I want to make this film, but the budget is quite high. I've never really done a feature film before, but you have to have faith. <laughs> and uh, I remember I managed to really you know, think hard after getting the door slammed on my face many, many times. Uh, decided that Dubai, the one thing that Dubai really is good at is, is advertising. And so I went to the whole brand placement idea within the film. So I went, to, I went to companies like Dubai Airport and said, look, you know, your, your, your airport is in the film. You'll stick your sign up somewhere. Well, I went to Dubai Shopping Festival, who had the lottery card. I went to Dubai Duty Free, and I even had a little scene in the Duty Free. I went to Nakhil when uh, they were at their prime and uh, told them that, you know, I have a line about the World Islands and I'll show it from a helicopter, even though it's still an elf- elephant, uh, sea elephant graveyard till today. And um, that's, how, that's how they came on board because I told them, I said, if you invest the same amount of money that you would invest in a commercial that you might play, let's say, on CNN twice a day for a month, that same amount of money you would have your brand in a film that would last forever. Someone 20 years down the line probably watch this film and still see your brand. And at the same time, approach it in a way where you're giving back or contributing to this film industry. And they loved the idea. So we did a whole PR thing about that. And I managed to raise 30% of the budget that way. So when you have money in the bank, it's easier then to go to an investor to try and finish it off. So by gaining all the credibility in raising that money, um, I managed to go to uh, you know, an equity investment company, and they said, Well, they wanted to see, you know, to have a, you know use me as a guinea pig in terms of investments. And they, they came on board. So, the entire budget of this film that you're seeing now, and I can tell you from now that had this film shot in anywhere else that had some type of track record of making films, it would not be as high. But the budget of this film was $5 million. So, to make this film, as a first feature with five million dollars was a lot of pressure. So that was, uh, one year was finding the investment. The other year was, obviously he was writing the script. And then the rest was just trying to get the script approved. Which is very awkward because in Dubai when you, when you shoot anything, you can't just take your camera out and, and film. You have to have, uh, permit, and your script needs to be approved, which is which is the norm. But there's a censorship board, and they kept declining the script, and this was for a very long time, and I kept asking them why. They said, because, you know, well, I'm showing things about the city that they probably don't want people to see, and I was, I was raised in Dubai. So I wanted to show this. I said, I want to show it as a real place and a real city with real problems. We can't just pretend that we're living in Disneyland. And it it took me about six and a half months of appealing to try and make this film. Eventually, they decided, okay, let's compromise, shoot the film, and then when you're done, we'll have a screening with the appropriate uh, parties and then approve it. I took it. I said, okay, done. I took it, I took it with, uh, with both hands. I said, thank you, <laughs> fine, we're shooting the film. Now imagine going to set every day, about 200 crew. Again, I told you, it's a $5 million budget. The only people on set that knew that this film might never see the light of day was me and the producer. So imagine going every day, trying to have a clear head, and working on this movie, knowing that it actually might get banned. So we shot the film. And I made a... We made a rough cut. And we screened it to them. I remember there was a a group of um, people watching from all parts of the media industry in terms of, uh, you know, higher-level execs and the people who actually say yes or no to things. And when the film finished... They clapped, and I stood outside, <coughs> and they walked past me, and they said, well done, well done, well done, well done. And it was in a hotel, the screening, and uh, they just walked off, and I ran after them. Why, when they're getting their cars at the valet, I said, "End. is it approved? They said, well, um, speak to that guy. So I went across, I spoke to him, I said, so what do you think? He's like, yeah, it was good. You know, there were some scenes. I said, so what are, you, are you going to approve the film? Is the film approved? They said, well, you know what? Speak to that guy. So I went to that person. They said, you know what? I can't really say anything right now. We'll send you an email. That email never came. And what happened was, is that the director of the Dubai Film Festival went to that screening and he said that he wanted to have the world premiere at the festival. I said, okay, I don't have any formal, uh, you know, you know, agreement in that the, f- the film is uh, approved, but okay, we accepted. And I kept calling them. They're like, yeah, yeah. You know, we, they kept delaying the process. It was, it was, it was, it was at a point where no one really wanted to put their head on the chopping board. The buck kept being passed on. And eventually, um, we said, fine, let's just announce it. So we announced that the film was going to be in the Dubai Film Festival, the world premiere. And uh, we had a, a press conference um, announcing it. Uh, it was in the papers. And about three weeks before the world premiere, I get a phone call from someone very high up in uh, the media uh, side of dubai and they told me we're about to send you an email and i'm really sorry but you know this. you you have to live with it this is how it is i said what's the email they said we're sending it to you now i apologize from the bottom of my heart but this is the email so the email comes through and it was from the head of the media all media in dubai And it was stamped and signed by him and said this film would not be showcased, screen distributed in any shape or form. And I thought to myself, wow, I came really far. (coughs) Really, really far. Like I worked my ass off to try and make this film happen. I raised the money and I, you know, it was literally blood, sweat and tears to try and make this film. And that's it. This letter is going to stop me. I, can't, I said, first of all, I said it's, it's ludicrous because we've already announced it. <coughs> and I said, if people find out the film's bad, it's just going to give me more publicity, which is good. So eventually, I um, I went to one of the actors, the guy who played Faisal. Now, that guy uh, has been TV present, that's his debut actually, he's never acted before in his life. Him and his friend Khalfan, they're first time actors. Um, Khalfan actually, he's actually a, a hip-hop rapper from Canada. And we completely converted him into playing this role. And he, you know, being who he was, Sir Faisal, well, being a TV presenter since he was nine, he was quite close to, you know, the royal family. I said, you take this DVD, you drive yourself, and I was, I was heading actually the next day to um, the first festival in Doha, the Tribeca Film Festival in Doha, in Qatar. I said, you take this DVD and you send it to the ruler, who was Sheikh Mohammed. And you tell him that the fate of Emirati cinema lies in your decision of this film. He's like, done. I'll do it. And I actually remember he went to the palace, waited outside. There was another uh, ruling family from Bahrain who was visiting, the king of Bahrain. And he waited outside as uh, Sheikh Mohammed came out to greet uh, the king off. He went straight up to the ruler. And he's like, ah, sir, what's up? He's like, I have this DVD and he, and he said the words that I told him. He's like, you mean this film is not in the cinema yet? He's like, no, no, it's not. And we're, we're waiting for your blessing. He's like, okay, I'll watch it. I remember I was in Doha. I was in, I was in my hotel room uh, with a couple of producers. We were having a meeting. And I got the phone call. And it was sued. And, and I picked up the phone. I just heard him screaming. He's like, congratulations. We said, mabrook, in Arabic, which is like, congratulations. And I had a smile on my face. He's like, what happened? He's like, he's like, Sheikh Mohammed, just not call me personally. And he said, you should be so proud of what you've achieved with this film. And he said, like, did you like it? He's like, I loved it. He's like, so do we have the blessing? He's like, you have more than a blessing, and if you need any support in the future, I'm there for you. And then I I almost had a tear in my eye at that moment, and I thought to myself, I knew it. I said, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I knew he would say yes, because a man who had vision like that to make a city like Dubai from nothing obviously would have somewhat a vision of what this film was trying to achieve. And you know, we had a world premiere, and the rest was history. And that person who was the head of the media does not look at me in the eye anymore. Um, does anybody has any questions?
1: Um, I think you've heard a lot of the controversial issues in terms of the, you know, the scenes of the club, and I think a lot of Emiratis had an issue with. Why did you just portray this type of personality? There are other. Really good Emiratis who, you know, pray five times a day and all of that, so. How was your response?
0: My response was I wasn't making a documentary. I was making a film about two characters. And those two characters would not represent the people of the place. That's why I had to do that whole monologue with the father. Where he goes, you know, you're a complete disappointment and an embarrassment to all Emiratis. That line was specifically put there for that question. And that was the whole idea behind it, was to show that, you know, it also shows in the film, I mean, they might have started out, they might have been doing negatives, and, but it also showed that negatives never reached a positive, it always reached a negative. And that's how, you know, even after losing his friend, he ended up becoming a lot more spiritual and became closer to his father and so forth. So I always said that it doesn't really, you know, it's, it's not representing them. But still, some people, when they watch a film, they see it, they see one thing that affects them, and it gets glued to their mind throughout the entire film, and that's it. But because it was the first time they were seeing Emiratis like that on the big screen, which was awkward. And I, I even remember many years before when I was trying to get my script approved, he's like, You know, Ali, if you were a Western guy and you came to make this film, we'd probably approve it. I so, said, well, what sense does that make? They said, it's because you're Emirati, people will believe it's true. And that's what I found. I found actually very strange. Eventually, you know, after we had the world premiere, the film went, went into the theaters, all over the UAE and all over the Gulf region. We actually created history with this film in the sense that it broke box office records for an Arab film that lasted, it lasted about 10 weeks in the cinema. My, my producer told me, he's like, Ali, if you get two weeks, you should be happy. I said, no, I think we might get a month. We might get a month. I have faith. People would, you know, find this interesting and they might go to watch. We might get a month. We lasted 10 weeks in the cinema. And when it came off, people started complaining. You know, so it, 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 was, it, it was very, very, it was a very exciting time. Because people almost, where, where I came from, they were, you know, they were seeing this new world of, of, of cinema and that cinema can actually be made and that's part of the world. And to and to a high standard. Because they've never seen they've never seen anything that had any type of type of quality. Um, it was more, you know, you know, the, the very low budget T V series that they might watch on, on 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 the on the television. Nothing that was filmed. So it was very exciting. And then eventually um, the film went to DVD. And the first day of sales, we beat Inception and Avatar, which was quite exciting, actually. And, and uh, they told me, um, I asked them, I said, how, how, how has Avatar done? They said, my distribution company um, uh, distributed Avatar. And I said, so how, how, many, how many copies have you sold of Avatar? He's like, we've sold 18,000 copies in five months. City of Life sold seven in seven days, seven thousand copies. So it's it's it it goes to show that you know it's there's this movement that's happening back home, which is very 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 exciting.
1: Yeah. us um, about the icons you used, like uh, Muhammad Harab, You know the fridge. Um, he's the first uh, guy did the animated cartoon in the Middle East, and he used that on the car. And also Nail Al Khaja was the first. You know, female Emirati filmmaker, having her in the boardroom as one of the marketing. So how how did that decision come?
0: There was just more of like a sign of respect. I mean, uh, Mohammed Saeed Harabi is a good friend of mine. Faridj is actually, it was the first animated series um, in the Gulf of High Standard. And so he he took animation to a new (laughs) level back home. So it was more like you know, paying you know, my tri- tribute and respect and, and, and it's popular culture back home. So it was just about adding stuff like that. And Naila also was a good friend and I have a lot of respect for her being the first woman, um, female imanati to actually get into this because everything was very taboo. You know, filmmaking was very taboo. You know, a lot of people say, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer. What are you doing being a filmmaker? What kind of a job is that? So it was, uh, it was more like playing, paying uh, tribute to them. I saw a hand up
1: yeah um first of all, just congratulations on your determination and your courage to make this Thank film because I mean obviously the production value is extremely high, and you know I think that you know there's a lot to be very proud of there um I personally didn't like the film at all, and I, my question was just sort of about the script because I found all the characters is completely flat yeah and every there's so many things were just really forced. And like, I felt as an audience member, like I was being asked to like suspend a significant amount of disbelief in, in reality. I mean, um, these, this advertising agent who just flips the switch all of a sudden and these, you know, the whole like them driving and being distracted this, there's, there's just so many points, which forgive my directness, but I feel like are so weak with the script and I'm just wondering how it got to the point. Were you actually able to raise a full production budget like that?
0: Like- because, because, well, number one, everyone has their own opinion. And I respect your opinion. Some people actually liked it. Um, number two, if I wanted to make the script stronger, deeper, more controversial, where I'd have worldwide distribution, Sonu sued the God of Indian. He wouldn't be a taxi driver. He'd be a laborer on a construction site suffering. The woman would be a prostitute who came to Dubai. Faisal probably would have been gay. I couldn't do any of those things. My hands were tied. A film like that, that had no substance, that had no major controversy, was very hard to actually get approved. And the fact that we made it was, it's going to take me time to actually make the films that I really, really want to make. I
1: mean, I think my point is more about like the the plot is so driven by text. It's so driven by explan- explanatory text. Mm. And I feel like so much of that text, and what I'm being asked to, to believe as an audience member, mm. is very clumsily done. Okay. All right, so, like, she, the woman goes in to visit the ballerina, the, ba- the ballet school that she's never noticed of all the years she's living there. And just out of the blue, she has, decides to go in this place and gets offered a job on the spot just because she happens to know the name of this guy on the wall, right? So, I mean, it's like that, that just is an example of something that I'm, I'm sitting here as an audience member being like, all right, the story obviously has to move in this direction and I'm being asked to concede my better judgment in that. But it does so at the, at the cost of, you know, what, what I just feel was, the interest, my, was my interest in the film.
0: I'm actually really glad that you stayed back to say this to me. It's quite it's quite, nice, it's quite nice of you um, and also you know i thought i thought to myself i've i've done many q and as all over the world i've been to festivals all over the world with this film or without uh, and i always thought showing my film at the london film school was going to be the most nerve-wracking <laughs> so thank you for your honesty and i appreciate your opinion
1: I appreciate your, your courage, you know, and I mean, really, it's a lot to be achieved, but I'd just like to know if you could tell me, like, what the process of developing the script was, and... and I mean, I, I'm sure I'm not the first person to have said this to you.
0: Yeah, and you're not. No, of course not, you're not. Um, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess <coughs> the, the mistakes I might, I might have had was, number one, not going really with my instinct. Um, there's a lot of moments where I wanted to go with my instinct. And that's the biggest regret that I have with this film. Whether it be how the edit went, whether it be how some of the dialogue went, or some of the connections went. And, uh, and number one, again, this is my first film. You learn a lot when you make your first film. Especially when you have comments like yours, and when you have people that watch your film. And you, you start seeing things a lot differently. And, uh, and yeah, so I'm I hopefully uh, you'll like my second film.
1: To
2: see it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes, um, uh, again, very high production values uh, in the movie. It was, uh, yeah, um, uh, I have just a question. I, from the stories, uh, the most compelling one was the story about the Indian taxi driver actor. I really liked that one of all the other stories. But uh, what intrigued me was the Asian janitor that you kind of like framed the beginning and the end of the movie with. Uh, is the reason you didn't flesh that character out at all? Or did you just wanted him to just fame in the movie? <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm a strong believer in, in that you can change another person's life without actually ever knowing it. That character to me was almost like the, you know, the, the person that you never notice.
2: Yeah, but he was
0: so on the plane. He, uh, he, he, that was a point, in my eyes. The point is that he had absolutely no involvement like how it is in life. You might see someone, but you won't look at him twice. So he was, he was literally, he was that person that would come into the world and then come into a scene. You might, he's actually popped in quite a few other scenes as well. Yeah, now, some in the sometimes
2: like just sitting there, but and because you, you did the Indian kind of like that story. It was, I, I really liked that one, but I felt again, as he said, like with the, especially Indi- with the Emirati guys, it was yeah. a bit hollow. And also the uh, American, no, the British, British kind of like commercial guy, these kind of like stories were a bit hollow. And, and the one with the Indian guy. I was really I like that one. The
0: Indian story, uh, funnily enough, was actually um, how I came up with this entire film. Um, Number one, this probably wouldn't have been the first film I wanted to make. I have quite a few other films I would have liked to have made. I made this out of um, reasons that you know I had to do something in Dubai first, so I had to try and make a story that would fit Dubai, and I like and I like those uh, you know those films that had those formulas. But how it all came about was going into a place called Bollywood Cafe in Dubai and seeing people like that. And I remember I was with, uh, with a friend of mine who was in the advertising business and he's like, there's a guy who looked like Shahrukh Khan. I don't know if any of you guys know who Shahrukh Khan is. He's the, the biggest Bollywood actor in the world. And there was a guy, and he was identical, on the stage, performing. And he used to live in a very, you know, like a, like a much dodgier area. So I could imagine this guy walking the streets and being stopped every five seconds. You know, and he th- and it was very interesting. He's like, "Why don't you do a documentary on the life of a lookalike?" And I said, "Well, I'm not really a documentary type of uh, type of filmmaker. I would I'd want to try and make it fiction." So I developed his entire story, which a lot was actually removed. He was a feature film on his own.
2: You, sh- you should have gone with him. That, that, wow. that character is great. So.
0: You know. So, well, he, he's still there. Um, <laughs> but the, but the thing is, but the thing is. And just, you know, being who I was and making a film about Dubai and just showing this Indian story wouldn't really represent Dubai. And so I had to put in, um, you know, the, the expatriate, the, the Western storyline. I had to try and put in... The weakest link for me was the Western storyline, without a doubt. Um, and then I had to try and put in the Emirati storyline, which actually took a lot of elements from my personal experience. So if a lot of it feels over the top, you're looking at someone who had a very over-the-top yeah, it's,
2: life. Mostly the car crash and that yeah. kind of thing. But I mean, just from all the stories, the most inspired seems the Indian uh, story. Mm.
0: So, well, again, he was the most developed from the beginning. Any other questions?
3: I mean, uh, to some extent, I do I do understand your, where you're coming from uh, to this extent. I, I don't think I come from a similar culture, but I... Uh, we have certain... Where are you from? Re- I'm from Sri Lanka. I mean, we have like Muslims and Tamils and Singalese. which are like uh, quite different in terms of culture, but again, similar as well. But then we have a lot of restrictions in terms of uh, being uh, open-minded. And especially when it comes to film, there are so many restrictions. The same as Dubai. We have a sensible, which would... Uh, Actually, go through the script and you know, uh, and whatnot. It's, it's it's a nightmare. So I understand what you're trying to achieve to some extent because I personally try to do something uh, something similar. You know, yeah, when I say, um, for example, like you know, your approach to getting a budget and you know trying to achieve something that hasn't been achieved in the country and. Uh, of course, you know, there, are, as you, you and Jonathan were discussing, there are restrictions, you know, you have a rope tied behind your back uh, because you can't do whatever you want. I mean, just to get some approval, I mean, I, I know, again, you're trying to achieve is like maybe in a few years, you just do something different and maybe maybe five, ten years time, you can do something that you want. You, it, you might never achieve in Dubai, but you can try, right? And I and so to that extent, I uh, congratulate you, I mean, to uh, being, ha- having done that and going to that extent. And, um, but also, I think I, I don't agree with all the comments to this extent. But for example, I know in Dubai, they drive in 116 kilometers per hour. So when a car crashes, about 10, to 15 other cars crash behind it. Right, so I mean, there are certain things that, that, that play a part. I mean, I don't know if you would agree. I mean, that. that because I I've do agree. I,
0: I d- thank you very much for the I've you're seen saying. it. I, I, so, I, if
3: you, even if you say over the top, it's not Hollywood, but that's what happened because they drive so fast straight off. Yeah. Of and yeah, yeah. And there are You know what's
0: the funny part about, about that? People. That's a true story. It's actually happened, and the person who, who was bleeding. You know that 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 body at the end was my best friend. So that was a personal thing that I actually added to the film that actually did happen in my life.
3: And I also I also um, know people like that as well. You know who something small happens and they go and fight fight with anybody. That's uh, so why I also kind of. Uh, uh, we have we we do, they do live yeah. all the top no, life just, because of, of the nature of their characters and money and everything else around them. So. Uh, so, so I think it. I think the part of it is like you see Hollywood films, and sometimes you think this nature of you know being larger than life, whereas you know there are certain parts where it, it actually is like that.
2: Maybe I should specify. Uh, <laughs> what I meant was unbelievable. Was from the part where where like they they decide to kidnap this apparently very rich guy who has a lot of contacts and taking down there to kill him and. This guy ninjas them out of it and they argue in the car and then crash. That's the part I didn't really buy
0: into. Okay.
3: I think mean, coming together of the whole thing is not, not realistic. I, 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 I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Any other questions?
3: Um, uh, yes, uh, you said five million, how, do you manage, how do you manage to make the film, uh, with five million dollars?
0: How do I manage? Yeah, yeah. Well, make sure you have a very good producer. I think as you know, if you want to be able to how many people here want to be directors, number one? Hands up. Okay. And DOPs. And the rest what? Writers, production, design? Well. The rest are, are in this film school? No. Well it's number one, you definitely need to have a good team because you don't make you can't do anything unless you have a good team. And I managed to have a producer that the only international films that were ever facilitated, that he ever facilitated, that were ever shot in the region at the time, other than recently Mission Impossible, was uh, The Kingdom and Syriana. So they had some, uh, quite a lot of scenes over there, and the, and the company that facilitated that uh, shoot, you know, co produces film. Um, so, you know, your question is how do you manage $5 million? Is you need to have a very good producer and someone who actually knows what he's doing. Yep. Uh, I was just curious. I was looking at the um, the, the final credits and um, I noticed, like, the D, the DP and, uh, and a lot of the crew members are actually non, non-Arab. <clears throat> um, was that, like, w- did you have anything particularly against working with, I mean, is, is there a lack, do you feel like there's a lack of Definitely. Arab talent over there, DPs, producers, crew members. Definitely. Because I'm Lebanese myself and I want to shoot a picture in Lebanon. And that's something that I think about is do you get a crew that is um, Arab so they can get the sensibility of what you're trying to do, of what you're trying to do from the culture itself? Or do you get someone from abroad? To me, filmmaking, regardless of your nationality, it's all the same language. So whether you're going to get someone who is You know, a Japanese DOP, you know, uh, an Irish producer, it's not going to make a difference. We're all making the same, we all know how to make the same film, and it's it's technically how to make it. But the only reason, um, I mean, Lebanon, number one, I mean, there's a much bigger industry than we have in Dubai, even Egypt. And you guys have uh, some amazing talent. Um, But I wanted to use crew that were based in Dubai. They might have been Western name, but all, most of them actually have you know, come from my background in advertising. The DOP, that's what he does for a living, is shoot commercials, which all DOPs do. And uh, uh, in actual fact, he, he was one of the only DOPs around that actually had feature film experience. So it's not necessarily nationality. It's just trying to get the best that you have at the time where you are. Any other questions? Yeah. Can you um, talk
4: a little
3: bit about A little bit about uh, about casting. Um, You had Alexandra Maria Lara in the film, who's amazing. Uh, Natalie Dorma was just great as well. Um, Again, the Jingai. guy, um, how did you find these people?
0: Um, Number one, if the first thing you do when you want to cast a film is try and get yourself a very good casting director. Don't go out as the filmmaker and say, you know what? I'm going to contact the agency myself. I'm going to send them the script. Never do that. I made that mistake before. Never contact agencies directly. Do your research. Find out who are the good casting directors out there in that region or, or who, who, who's notable and suitable for your story and who knows, you know, um, the industry very well. So when it came to the Western cast, like Jason Fleming, Natalie Dahmer, um, Alexandra malier um, I managed to have a meeting. I sent the script um, to Debbie McWilliams, who's a very prominent casting director here in the UK. She casted eighty percent of the James Bond films, so she's very well known. And I I sent her the script. I had the meeting. She liked it. Uh, and uh, and she's like, and she de- she decided to come on board. She's like, I wanna I wanna help out, and uh, so she she started sending me a list of actors, and uh, you know it would you would bounce back with people that you think could play the role, and obviously them sending the script and see who actually liked the script, and you know I got the three people that really wanted to be a part of the film. Um, if you watch if you watch the special features of the DVD. Um, there's an interview with Jason Fleming, and he said, I'm, I am mean, he, he's done over 75 films. He's like, I just, I heard Dubai, and I said yes. So if, some people want to do it because of the script, some people want to do it because of the location, or. but uh, that's how I managed to get the Western cast. Um, the Indian cast is that I had some connection, uh, connections in Bollywood who knew some actors. And initially, the people that I was trying to get, um, they were, Bollywood actors ask for a lot of money. A lot of money. Actually, Sonu Suud was the most expensive actor on the film who played Basu. And I didn't even pay him his full price. And, um, and he's not even... Uh, he's, 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 he's more well-known now, not after City of Life. He's more well-known after doing quite more films and he's, he's very well-known now. But if I tell you, you know, the prices that people ask, it's, it's insane. So... Bollywood was through connections that I had and the Marathi storyline 99% were all first time actors. Which I actually like. I, mean, I like working with first time actors. Um, um, it's, it challenges you as a person. Um, you know, I, I, I always feel like if, if anyone has a little bit of charisma they can, they can easily become an actor. It's, just, it's rehearsals and training and so we had about you know, about three months of this rehearsals with them before we started shooting. But that's how I casted the film. Thank you. Yep.
3: Well, congratulations on your uh, film. Thank I, you. um, I would like to ask you, you mentioned Tribeca, and Tribeca has asked a very interesting question this year. It's a, a question that's asked, why cinema? in the Gulf or in the Arab world? Why, why, do we, why this world needs cinema? And I would like to hear the answer from you. Why do you think this world needs cinema?
0: Why do we need cinema? Yes. I think, especially from my part of the world, we need cinema more than anyone else right now. Um, we have been portrayed terribly in the media. And cinema is a form or a medium where, number one, you can try and make it entertaining and at the same time tell your story and represent, you know, certain things or whatever it might be. It's just to show a side of a culture that you don't know nothing about and the only thing you know about that culture is by switching on Sky News and seeing people screaming Allahu Akbar and holding up machine guns. So I guess people like us or... Or oh, the gentleman over there wants to make his film in Lebanon. I mean, the Arab world, number one, there's it 100 years in, in Egyptian cinema. Over 100. And there are other places that need to start coming out because it's a fantastic medium to try and um, you know transcend to di- different cultures. So that's, that's why I think cinema is very important for us. And why cinema? Any other questions? Yeah, I no, got
3: two small ones. Um, first, congratulations. It's Thank not, you. It's not a platitud,e seriously. Um, can you tell me about the scoring process with the music?
0: Scoring. Um, it was. A, I loved that process actually. It was a fantastic process um, trying to score the film. Um, a lot of it actually was soundtrack uh, that I used, and I, I tried to make sure there was only two tracks or three tracks that were international artists. The rest were local artists which I tried to promote as well in the film. Did
1: you know that before you wrote a
0: script or? Yeah, I always knew that the music I wanted to show in the film were, were, because we, had, we have a lot of talented people that actually in, they don't have record labels, they don't have, you know, there's just a lot of talent there. So I thought if I'm going to try and make this film and get exposure from it, I want to try and you know, take a few people with me. <laughs> and uh, so I tried to make sure I used a lot of local tracks. But in terms of scoring the music, uh, was a fantastic process, and even everything when it came down to the following, the fo- the foley artists uh, trying to get the music down. Even when we had the guy come in to do the five point one Saran, and he would sit there in that room and you would make sure that every little bit. Um, I think my favorite part of doing the sound was probably the car crash, um, and it's 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 just a, it was a phenomenal process, and uh, I was lucky to have a local um, composer who has a company there, and he had some experience in features and. You know, I you know, they got together and they were we were discussing ideas and what we wanted to do and trying to have a little bit of a theme, but at the same time not make it a theme throughout the film, but almost a theme for each individual character and it was a whole process which was very, very enjoyable. I think I really liked that one very much. Cool. Uh, the second
3: part was I I, <laughs> I really like both the fight scenes. They're cool. But, <laughs> Thank you. I you like know, I, you know, I like action films. But but, but I, I just I just didn't believe a real person could could do that. Yeah. No, I, could, I can't. I couldn't, especially at the end. You know, he flies over the, the car and he takes out the guy with a kick. Yeah. I just, I just, it sucked me out. And I've, I've, I've. Um... It was yes, fun. yes, and no.
0: Yes, and no. Yeah. Uh, how, have you been in many fights? <laughs> <laughs>
3: you you got beat up once. <laughs> I, I, grew, I
0: grew up actually uh, in a very similar story that happens to that where um, I might, I might have come from a more privileged. I bring back home, and my best friend wasn't. And I used to like, you know, going to that side of town. We used to get up to fights all the time. And some of the stuff I've seen,
1: so like
0: some of the stuff I've seen, okay. it was phenomenal. I mean, these guys—they do kickboxing, they do capoeira, they do muay thai. I mean, they might look like, um, you know, uh, soccer hooligans, but they can fight. And obviously, with, a, with, with the element of entertainment, you kind of uh, try and uh, play on that a little bit. But other than that, yeah, they're, they're, a lot of it is quite real, actually. As fantastic as it looks. Yeah. Uh,
2: I was just wondering if it was absolutely impossible for you to develop more the, um, the
0: character uh, Fatima? Was it impossible? Was it
2: impossible for you because of your country? Because, uh, or was it possible? No, you,
0: you know, you know. it goes back to what you were saying. I actually wish I spent more time on the script. I actually wish that I focus a lot more on the script. And that is definitely um, what I can give back to you guys and say that if you want to make a film, the script has to be perfect in your eyes and at least in 10 other people's eyes that have a completely different opinion to yours. Don't shoot the film. It reached a point with me where I had to do it now. You know? I said, it's, it's ready-ish. And I went. I went with it. And uh, I know for a fact that I would never make that mistake again. I would make sure that the script is perfect in my eyes but the script was never perfect in my eyes but I still went ahead and this is the whole idea about going with your gut and going with your instinct with whatever you do even when it comes to the cutting room you're gonna have 10 people on your shoulder saying no no this works better go with your gut that's definitely uh, you know the, the, the best form of advice I can give
4: Any other questions you're going to have a question: Yeah Thank you Congrats on your success that you've Thank you have. And my question is just uh, before the film came out, you know when you, were, when you were doing pre-production or even before when you were by yourself just thinking about the film, what did you think the Marhi audience was going to think about it and what do you think the Western audience was going to think about it?
0: I always knew how the Emirati audience were going to react to it. And it was exactly how they reacted oh, to it. Okay. Which was the fact that they were going to think, what is this guy doing? What does he think he is? How is he making us look like this? And blah, blah, blah. And I always knew that some people actually watch and actually feel proud that they're seeing Emiratis on a big silver screen like that. Um, the Western audience was more trying to, you know, make a film that people would enjoy in Dubai but at the same time we were able, to be, were able to travel. And I only learned that from the festival circuit. I think the first time the film screened outside of the Middle East, it was an opening film. It was the opening film in the Sydney Film Festival. And I don't, I don't actually... I can't watch the film again. I mean, you, you can't watch a film again. Uh, so we, you, you never sit in when the audience was watching a bit, with this one, I wanted to, I just wanted to hear if the reactions were similar at the moments. And they were very similar. And it was exciting. And I knew that the film could travel. You know, and the film traveled quite a bit. You know, we had sold-out screenings in Canada from Montreal to Vancouver. Um, Not a, you know, I don't expect everyone to like it. But we had some amazing feedback. In Washington, D.C., we won the Audience Award. So it's, It was exciting to know that the film wasn't necessarily just for that type of an audience, that the Western audience actually got it and liked it, even for the fact that some of them had never even been to Dubai. Any other questions? What are you you doing next? I'm working on a second film now. I'm developing the film now. I'm just on the script. And um, I'm going to try and... uh, try and shoot it sometime this year. Not sure when, because the script is, again, very important. And I'm working on a road movie, actually, um, about a group of friends who go on a road trip from Abu Dhabi to Beirut. It's almost like uh, the Arab version of The Little (coughs) Sunshine and the Hangover. So it's a comedy. Um, And everyone knows comedy is the most difficult genre To try and make work, and I I guess that's always always been my character to try and challenge myself all the time. Um, So yeah, my next film's a comedy. Are
4: you writing it? Are you
0: writing it? I I you see this is the thing I have this I have a lot of ideas and stories and stuff like that, but at this time I want to try and get. uh...
4: I think you should write it. Yeah. I think yeah. I mean, you said you like challenging yourself as well. No,
0: no, I'm I'm I've written the story. So I am going to be... I'm, I'm going to have a credit as a writer, but the screenplay, I'm going to try and get someone to try and uh, make sure all the beats are right. and.
4: What about the whole screenplay? I think you can do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he can. I mean, like, no, I
4: mean, I think you can. Like, I'm willing I mean, to be convinced.
1: Huh? I said, I'm willing to be convinced. so I'll
4: go
0: see it. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, there's no reason to think
4: you, know, you can't do it. You know what I mean? Of like, course
0: not. I've always lived like that. Yeah. I've always lived like that. But... Again, I am my. I don't. I don't consider um, <coughs> what I know best is you know formatting the script to get its beats to it. It's stories. I have ideas. So yes, you can do anything, but don't try and you know don't be one of those jack of all trades, master of none. You know, try and try and focus on what you can do and and focus on that.
4: I still think you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> If you you know just sit down, I, st- I think you can do
0: it.
2: Thank you. An ask for his phone number? <laughs> yeah.
0: Guys, actually they wanted to do something outside, but I have to I have to rush. I have a d- dinner uh, meeting very soon. Far from it. But thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you for the Film Society for making <laughs> this happen. Thank you, Miriam.